0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. I've got a great episode in store for you today uh, and a whole bunch of fun stuff coming down the line. And this is all made possible by my good friends at KEH Camera, the world's largest buyer and seller of used camera equipment. You know, I just love their mission to make photography more accessible to everyone by selling certified, fully warranted used camera gear. Their collection of gear is insane, ranging from vintage film equipment to some of the latest DSLRs in the market. Uh, they got it all, and it's all up to forty percent off of retail value. So it's really easy to find the camera that fits your needs with KEH Camera. I recently had the opportunity to upgrade my own gear, and they made it so easy. Uh, I talked to a gear expert and who's also a photographer, which is amazing. Like, how often do you get to talk to somebody who also is a photographer online? And I uh, was able to pick out the perfect gear, and they worked with me um, to kind of understand what my needs were, what I was trying to do. You know, I talked about the podcast. You're potentially starting a YouTube channel, headshots, all this different stuff. And they were able to work with me to put together a kit that perfectly met my needs. And uh, over the last couple months, I've been using it with my personal freelance clients, um, with my friends and family, and it has been so exciting to dive back into photography. And, you know, with this new gear from KH, I really feel, feel like there are no limits as to what I could do. So, you know, I'll be documenting that in the coming months. Be sure to check them out at keh.com and use my code RobJ11 to save 5% off your first purchase. Once again, that's RobJ11 at keh.com and you'll save 5% off your first purchase. And without further ado, here's the show. Welcome back to another episode of Meet the Creatives. I am joined today by Colin Whitehead, the head of Brand Studio at Dropbox. Colin, thank you so much for joining me today. Happy to be here. Yeah. So uh, let's get right into it. Tell me about your journey and uh, you know when you first found your love for design and marketing. I know you went to college for marketing, kind of on the business side of things. So when did it all start? When did it all click?
1: Oh man, um, it, it goes actually really far back. So when I was in when I was in high school, probably I was storyboarding ads. And and really wanted to work in advertising. I don't know why I kind of fixated uh, on it, but I, I found myself in love with a, a got milk ad from Goodby Silverstein and Partners, and just yeah. decided that's that's where I want to work. And I wanted a job doing Super Bowl car commercials because I thought that was you know a job that someone must have. And um, I think I got networked through like. My, you know, a distant cousin's friends, coworkers, spouse, or something.
0: Back in the day, when you really had to network, you couldn't just go on LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't thing. Thing. Right. yeah, that was thing. That wasn't a thing back then.
1: And I was probably um, sophomore in college, so it was really early on. Um, I knew kind of exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted I wanted to work on Goodby, uh, work at Goodby Silverstone Partners, and I got connected with this guy Todd Grantham, who was um, on the account side, was a. A group account director there and I had been calling into his admin and trying to get a call back and and just really wasn't getting the time of day and then one day you know I was just chatting up trying chatting her up trying to make friends and um she let me know that he lived in the east bay and I was like well if he's ever like stuck in traffic on the bridge maybe <laughs> maybe he wants to give me a call right I don't think I've ever, ever told him this story but um,
0: I love it. I, That's cool.
1: But I had I had a printed picture of him uh, that I got off their website, and like a list of questions that I kept in a in a on a clipboard, and I kept it in my backpack. And every few months or so, he would give me a call, stuck in traffic on the Bay Bridge, and so cool. I would jump out of class, and I would just ask him my questions about advertising. And um, you know, I, I, every few months, I would send him you know, maybe like a resume update or something from an internship or a class that I took that, you know, uh, I could just try to keep him warm because he's literally the only person that I knew uh, right. was connected to an advertising yeah. and, and, uh, yeah, to make a long story short, I, I, I was out in New York, uh, as a, as a summer intern when I got the call from, um, uh, good that they had one, uh, a new account went out there interviewed and my first day on the job was, uh, was a Hyundai uh, campaign spot. Wow! Uh, you know, so I had realized the dream. Granted, I was bringing in the food to that meeting, <laughs> but it was Still uh, It was a great journey, and you know, I think you know, you know, someone was willing to take a chance on me and That's so to do awesome. that. But it it came down to uh, hustle, but uh, you know, of of no skills of my own. Just uh, you know, I didn't <clears throat> wasn't able to to get through with the name of a university, or anything like that, from Wyoming.
0: For sure. It's funny you say that. That story reminds me of, uh, and I, I don't think that I myself have actually said this story, but when I first uh, came into New York, I spoke to Brian Collins, who I'm sure you probably work with at Dropbox, and I, same exact thing. I was in a no name school. I got it, I got, you know, somehow got in the studio to, for like, a coffee or whatever. And he said, like, I'm going on an Amtrak, call me on the Amtrak, or no, that he would call me. And I was like, there's, there's no way that he would call me. And he did call me. And from that, uh, from that call, like we kind of became friends. But it's just so funny how it's like, there there is time where even the most busy people are have downtime and want to mm-hmm. set, you know kind of send send the elevator back down. So that's really kind of cool. Totally. That was your first kind of real job. Was kind of like this Hyundai thing. Um, can you tell me about your journey after that? Did you ever experience a time where you were trying to freelance or get a full time job or? You kind of felt you had outgrown where you were because you went from that space to now you're working on um, in the product space of like Dropbox. so what was your journey like after that first?
1: I'm yeah asking? um so i i really I, I, I had a long run at Goodby. I was there you know about five years um, you know it's all relative, but uh, in agency life that was you know a good tenure and mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: had a really amazing experiences working on a ton of different brands. Uh, really strong blue chip brands with really, really amazing creative teams and was able to get lots of reps in and and work with, um, you know, a leadership team that put creative first ahead of everything else. Right. And uh, along the way, I think I realized that the advertising agency model was really struggling in some ways to prove out its value. Mm-hmm and uh, get compensated for all of the creative problem solving that agencies often do for brands right. and I had started working on Google um, and they had kind of given us a really interesting prompt around solving usernames for Gmail and there was like a high bounce rate because people get to Gmail to sign up for a name and it's already taken mm-hmm. and uh, there weren't any creatives in the building that wanted to take on the project and so I worked with an information architect um and we kind of built a little prototype and and sent that over to google and they had lots of questions and they were really interested in it and we added like an i'm feeling lucky button into the prototype for your gmail and yeah we'd had a lot of fun with it and i realized you know this is probably the most impactful thing that we could be doing for them uh in terms of the the impact of the business and i got a taste for like okay actually maybe working on these types of problems in-house wouldn't be so bad if I could work on a brand that I really cared about. And, um, I wasn't quite ready to make the jump just yet to an in-house team. And so I left to work, um, in kind of a consultancy, uh, at a place called West Studios, which was founded by Allison Johnson, former VP of marketing at Apple. And, you know, she's, Uh, obviously super experienced and and helping you know launch the iphone and and a bunch of other really really amazing impactful products uh you know in culture today and she was working with pre-ipo startups or startups that were in stealth mode looking to make big uh kind of transcendental changes or inflection points uh in the process and um, I was able to work with this really small team working in house with a bunch of startups. So, Jawbone and RDO or Braintree, which is like a payments API that was acquired by PayPal, the bot Venmo, had kind of like a really interesting sampling of startup life. Uh, and it kind of led me further upstream to going fully in house at Dropbox. And it's been, you know, a really great transition for me to see kind of uh, moving from that high weight or sorry, uh, low weight, high reps mm-hmm. to uh, high weight, low reps kind of experience of working on fewer problems, but much more deeply right. and also having a different level of investment in this problem that you're trying to solve as opposed to kind of an outside perspective.
0: Yeah, for sure. I was mentioning before the podcast that um, it's my first time kind of going to that area and seeing all the, like, the tech companies and that was all on the West Coast while you were doing this, correct? Mm -hmm, that's right i was super inspired going over there and seeing like facebook's here google's over here like all these different places and you could like spend the rest of your life just like job hopping in a place (laughs) like that in new york we kind of have that i mean i mean we definitely have that but it was kind of cool to see it at scale in california no
1: the the concentration of innovators Mm -hmm. in the bay area is really insane and You know, there's a lot of it that is actually not great for humanity uh, Mm. in a lot of ways. A lot of it is um, really good, though. And I think, you know, uh, my grandfather was um, a key grip at MGM in kind of the heyday of Hollywood. And, Mm. you know, my mom talks about uh, meeting Elvis on set and, you know, like – Working on Wizard of Oz and walking around with my my what? grandfather and experiencing. Dude, I thought you of, were like... cool
0: right up until now, and then <laughs> I realized that you're only half as cool. Okay. Well, like,
1: but it was like such a moment in time where mm-hmm. all of that was really accessible to everyone, and we look back at it as this golden era of film. And I feel in much the same way. Technology is having that same moment in Silicon Valley, where what happens in Silicon Valley ripples throughout the world. Mm-hmm. You know, some of it again is just. It's really uh, toxic and dangerous. uh, And other parts of it are really uh, transformative and disruptive to industries that have previously uh, kind of been complacent. But, you know, it's for me what it feels like is um, a very similar moment that is uh, definitely kind of unique in in the history, at least of the Bay Area.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's talk about Dropbox. So Dropbox is the leading file hosting platform, providing tools that, that allow customers to work more efficiently. What kind of made you want to go to Dropbox and what are you doing there You know, with the brand studio?
1: When I was looking around the Bay Area for a place to work and knowing that I wanted to maybe go in-house, I was looking for a brand that already had a leg up. I was looking for a place that had some positive sentiment around the brand and had a strong uh, value of design, and you know, for Dropbox, it has you know a really really rich history in its relationship with design and and with creativity. Because from the earliest days, it was a product that had soul, it had character in it. You know, we were yeah, sure. kind of um, pioneering. Um, in adding sort of a mark of the maker, the human touch of the illustration style, even though it was you know somewhat silvy and ju- silly and juvenile at times, it was really endearing for uh, people who were scared of putting their most valuable information in the cloud. You know, It brought right. some humanity to, to what we were offering as a product, and I think um, that has been a core tenet of something that differentiates us from other... Um, you know, software that is handed to you or force handed to you from your IT person mm-hmm. uh, that is not user-centered and is not design-centered in, in the way that, you know, you're intending to to use or solve a problem that you have on your team. Um, I was really drawn to Dropbox uh, because of that. And um, it was a company that was, you know, in the city proper that I thought was doing good things in the community. And, you know, really it kind of happened... Ah, uh, very luckily, um, into a place that actually does what I believe is my craft as a business. Uh, right. so you know I'm not a designer. I'm not a writer. I'm actually probably a you know I, I was a graphic designer and and did that through college to you know help pay the bills. but I think I was always way better at the sort of production and logistics and management side of of the house on kind of the business front Right and I've kind of developed and realized over time that my craft is actually process design, that it's really kind of um, setting up teams to stay in their craft, which may be design or writing or strategy, uh, and kind of allow them to do their best work by nudging all of the dominoes that are needed, whether it's forecasting or finance or resolving kind of the feedback structure in a way that uh, doesn't blindside anyone and create thrash. Right. And just kind of so that people can just knock down those dominoes. Right. Uh, and really Dropbox is trying to solve a similar problem. Uh, Dropbox is trying to solve a problem that, um, okay, basically everyone is familiar with where we have a million different tools. You were telling me earlier about, you know, how many different tools you had open on your computer. And you get a moment trying to solve <laughs> one problem. right? And sort of the, the context switching, And the inundation of messages uh, really kind of take us out of that flow state where we can do our most creative work. And so for us to be able to provide focus um, and help teams kind of organize all of their content together and, you know, really – kind of empower them to work whatever way they want to work and move in and out of ecosystems that are normally walled gardens right. is what Dropbox is all about. So, you know, our ability to I store love that. That's so cool. That's so cool. Like, well, it's, 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 it's sort of a different mentality, right? I think that we, we, we have a different mindset. So we integrate with Google. We integrate with Microsoft. We integrate with Adobe. So you can embed an Adobe XD file in a paper document. Right. You can also store a Google Cloud document in Dropbox. Wow. And we want to, you know, we integrate with Slack and we integrate with Zoom because we have a fundamental belief that we want to take best in breed tools. We want to connect all of them in a way that allows people to move seamlessly with whatever it is that they're doing. We want to focus people on the content that they're making, on pushing artifacts forward uh, instead of, you know, all of the noise around the content or chasing around the content itself. Mm-hmm. It's super important for people to... And the clarity and focus of content that is organized and easy to find and that's kind of the only way that people are going to be able to work together in the future because we're we're really inundated we're inundated with tools uh the amount of content that we're creating is is just exponential it, it's a real recipe for for burnout
0: right exactly i personally have always kind of loved the design and identity system for dropbox i, I it's funny at, at first i think i was kind of like sort of like headline reading and seeing what people were saying about it. And over time, I've kind of seen how the brand has like um, grown and evolved and can really take so many different beautiful shapes and forms. And there's always kind of like this sort of um, like juxtaposition thing going on. It's really, really great. And that kind of makes sense now with what you're saying, because it's like the visual representation. And tell me if I'm right on this. But in, in my view, it seems like the visual representation of the brand is like, Putting two beautiful, unlike things together, and kind of having these unexpected solutions, um, much like in the same way that if you know you have all these unexpected platforms can kind of come together in the workflow of Dropbox, is that right? I'm sure you could do a way uh, no, better job. No, that's totally right. <laughs>
1: no, no, you articulated it beautifully. Yeah. Um, I think the sort of um unexpected combinations, uh, you know, it's based on the premise of the adjacent possible, the idea that um you know, there's, there's, we, we have like this really optimistic belief that when people and ideas come together in new and unexpected ways, we can create these really beautiful things, and the world needs more of that. I right. think uh, the visual identity system that you know that we put out, uh, the headlines that you're talking about, a lot of them were really negative, and I love that so much. Right. <laughs> and, and it's it's partly because you know Dropbox has been around for you know, 10 years when we rebranded and if you lined up 99 people down the street, all of them would say, oh yeah, I know Dropbox and I know what it is. And so uh, that actually presented a real problem for us because we were trying to signal the shift that we were making as a business, moving away from just passive storage, uh, you know, including that in what we needed to do because we couldn't do it without it, but beyond that into really kind of Collaboration that's centered around the content and pushing even further into new ways of teams working together. And we couldn't do that without a head snap. We couldn't do that without people saying, Whoa, 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 like what the hell is happening at Dropbox right now? I don't get it. You know, like what, like this is like, this is crazy. You just sync my files, just stay in your lane. Right. And so, kind of us poking that bear a little bit was really important to do if we were going to change how people thought about Dropbox, but it was a really big check that we wrote. And now we're kind of in the process of uh, going through and making the deposits that we need to from the product side, um, you know, through acquisitions and new products that we're going to be launching uh, to really kind of deliver more and more on that promise of, of really getting more integral to workflows and and stepping out of the background of uh, your finder or your explorer into forward-facing services that you can uh, kind of do more collaborative and, and better work in
0: yeah for sure you did do a better job of explaining it to me but it's okay <laughs> though okay so I would imagine that Dropbox is the kind of place where a lot of people want to work and you guys obviously have have, have some great creative talent and people that are um, experts in branding and all of that so uh, when you guys are looking over portfolios and you're looking to hire new people to join your team, what are some of the things that you're looking for, and what are you hoping to see? And then, what are some of the things that you know may prove that someone's either not qualified or may not be a good cultural fit? How do you make that uh, that judgment call?
1: I think that for not, for my team, you know, much like many others, the number one hiring attribute that I'll always pursue is quality. Right. There, there is nothing more important to me than the quality of craft in what we do, and we are kind of relentless and and uncompromising um, in that. And I think I, I'm I, I'm super biased, but my team is just wicked awesome. They're so they're super talented um, at every level of of uh, you know whether it's web design or graphic design or illustration production strategy writing. Um, all of them are really phenomenal. Uh, but for me personally, I just absolutely have no tolerance for ego. I have no tolerance for the award chasing mentality or, uh, the people who are in it to build a portfolio, uh, for themselves. I think, you know, This is something that's a little bit different, you know, maybe from an in-house perspective, but is probably one of the reasons why I landed in-house is that, you know, we're interested in people who they want to solve design problems. And at its core, design is good for business. Design drives a business forward because design is about need. Design is about restrictions and design is about, you know, really building with intentionality. And if we do that, then we can do something that is highly crafted, is evocative and beautiful that drives the business forward. And so for me, I think that I'm always stuck looking for a special breed of creative who is interested in having the impact on a business that they feel passionate about, um, while, you know, not compromising on the craft. This is like this real tension here, and I think, and it's the, one of the reasons why we've been actually really slow in growing our team and be really intentional with with who we'll hire. You know, we've waited an entire uh, you know ten months for someone that was the right fit wow. to join our team because they were the right fit. And you know, we're very fortunate to do that because we have a lot of stability in the business, um, you know, model of Dropbox. But I think for us, uh, I, I think I'm just. I'm just too old for the shenanigans. I'm right. too old for the drama. I, i've I've worked with some of the most talented uh, people who were just not nice. Mm-hmm. And I've realized that really, the process of making is where I derive my enjoyment and my value from work uh, and not in the artifacts that ship. And that's really been important to me to kind of appreciate the journey of making and looking at how that feels and how I feel with the people around me in a way that is going to produce high-quality work and is going to deliver business results. But I'm going to do it in a way that it doesn't uh, you know, burn me out. It doesn't compromise my own values and, and the things that I'm prioritizing in my own life.
0: What is some of the best feedback you've ever received along the way? I, I got some advice. It was very, very harsh advice. Early in my career, I worked for
1: this just wonderfully talented woman named Brooke Kaplan. You know, she, she's probably, uh, you know, five foot tall, uh, and could, could stare down a bear. She's just so fierce. And, you know, from New York and from, from the East coast and, and, uh, just really, really intimidating to me, uh, when I was first starting out and I thought I was going to get fired at least once a month. um, you know, working for her on, on really really challenging uh, problems at 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 Goodby Silverstein and Partners, and I remember um, I had you know in college I was an absolutely horrible student. I never took notes, Same. and I remember her. I remember her buying me a moleskin, handing me a notebook, having her you know force me to take notes. Have her. Uh, I, I would send her. I'd have to send her an email with my notes didn't matter what the meeting was i was always sending meeting notes out uh, just so to her funny. via email and then i would go maybe three or four rounds with her on that email going through my grammar going through the framing going through uh, the action items or whatever it was what that's and awesome, it though. was oh it was it was super intense for me and i i got so sick of getting notes back on the mistakes that I was making that I made, I printed up a giant uh, poster with the word context. And inside of each of the letters of context, I wrote in really tiny font, um, everything. So it was my sort of like everything with everything must be placed in context, right? You know, like a, a very elementary graphic design and perhaps tacky way of reminding myself in every form of communication, you must put everything in context and right. over-communicate. And that has actually served me so well in a way that every time I enter uh, you know, a room and I say, okay, this is what we're here to accomplish today. These are our you know, checkboxes that we have to do. This is the feedback that I'm looking for and specifically the feedback from whom that I'm looking for that feedback. And uh, then, you know, and, and it was that, that driving that clarity, putting everything within context and never assuming that people understand where you're coming from or understand the problem or even understand the objective uh, is something that has just like really, really stuck with me probably because it was, it was beaten into me early on in my career. Right. Um, but is, I don't know, it's probably oversimplistic, but
0: it's something that I've kind of never been able to overlook. Was there ever a time where you were sent an email and there was no grammar mistakes? Did you ever like, get to a place where <laughs>
1: – I don't think I ever aced it. I think, That's I so think, funny.
0: No, I think um, – no. She, she got me to a point
1: where you know, I was comfortable going in and presenting to a CMO or you know, recapping an interaction and then sending it to uh, an ECD or someone that um, you know, really needed that clarity. Um, but it's something that, you know, I really valued that mentorship because it's an investment in her time. It was an investment in her energy that, you know, I think it's so interesting. I think, you know, the reality is that a lot of us have these mentors or, uh, leads who coach us and is such a rich form of compensation that people overlook when they're trying to find a job and they're looking at the salary and they're looking at the benefits or, uh, you know, a stock option And it's super exciting. When in reality, I think that some of the most important compensation you can get is the feedback and growth that you're going to you derive from your direct manager.
0: Absolutely. When you guys are designing for such a large group of people and, and people that have very diverse um, problems to solve, like wh- what are some of the things in terms of like design and branding that you're thinking about?
1: Dropbox has kind of a unique uh, problem and a wonderful problem to have in that we have you know over 500 million plus users
0: uh,
1: which which you could say is like you know such a challenging design problem to say all right let's just solve for everyone with a pulse and an internet connection right Uh, so what we try to do and we have to be really really diligent in doing it is um, try to hone in specific audiences with singular messages as often as we possibly can Mm -hmm. so whether that's a business decision maker who's trying to solve a problem for um, her team that is finding collaboration difficult or is not organized over to like an IT administrator who's looking for a way to secure all of the tools that people are bringing to work like Dropbox um, from their personal life Uh, so it's it's definitely challenging but I think one of the things that we have realized is that there's a there's an opportunity for Dropbox to sort of, um, you know, land and expand inside organizations where you know a creative team will bring us into a company. They'll realize, wow, the creative team is actually more organized than some of our business teams, right. and then they will start adopting Dropbox tools and kind of expand from there. That's awesome. So, it, it's it's always really important. Um, obviously, from an academic perspective, to focus you're messaging to a single audience wherever possible. But for us, uh, we typically have to just fragment it and do multiple kind of multivariant messaging uh, wherever it's needed because we can't really solve it for everyone at one time. Otherwise, we kind of pop it up to such a high altitude right. that you don't communicate anything of significance and you're just kind of making a kind of a high-level brand messaging, which is you know, important in and of itself.
0: Right. Here's the final question for you. If you can get in a time machine, a giant time machine, and go back in time to when you were first starting out, just before that, you saw that Hyundai pitch and all the things, all the light bulbs started going off, uh, what would you tell yourself in terms of being patient, in terms of what to do in your career? Would you have changed anything? What would you do? It's an awesome looking time machine. You can get in it and fly just as one time. <laughs> <laughs> I got to do something visual here.
1: You know, I I really don't have any regrets in my career. I, I, I try to live without them, at least. But I've made a ton of mistakes, uh, certainly. And the only thing that really comes to mind that I, I wish I would have known um, is that anyone can be creative. I think too often early in my career, I was intimidated uh, by a designer or a writer or an executive creative director um, into not speaking up when uh, I might have had an idea, you know, not for like, I'm not saying that I would have pitched a campaign and I definitely wouldn't have done that. But I think what I've realized over time is that if you give uh, people the right information, and you set up an environment that is safe enough for them to take risks and express their ideas you can get some really really great and amazing new content and and new ideas out into the world and so i think um it's something that i've also observed you know kind of the highly evolved creatives will talk to their producers they will talk to their strategists they will talk to their account person if they're at an agency or their business partner in finance. You know, that's something that we've actually been able to do is you know, partner with our finance organization during the IPO and say, "Hey, what is what does this even mean? You know, you want us to represent this uh, data to the market when we're going to go public. Right? Um, how can we tell that story in an interesting way?" And actually partnering with them was one of, you know, my most satisfying creative exercises because it was working with you know, uh, you know, died in the wool finance people. So I think, you know, I wish I had known earlier how to be more inclusive in the ideation phase. Right. Um, and it definitely doesn't mean that you need to make changes to everyone's opinions and uh, you know, open up the oven before something is baked. But I think that um we'd we'd do better as a creative industry if we could be more inclusive if we could create safer spaces for people to you know, take those risks and push ideas farther. Um, and it's really the only way that we're going to solve um, the stickiest creative problems is, is by doing that.
0: For sure. Dude, amazing answer. Great answers all day today. It's been really <laughs> great chatting with you. Where can people find you online? Where can people learn more about Dropbox if they want to apply for Dropbox? This is shameless self-promotion time. Anything you want to put out there, the floor is yours, sure. sir.
1: Well, I will tell you, uh, I am not on Twitter. I am not even, I I, I deleted Instagram. I just like, I don't, I don't participate in the community in that way. You know, whenever I show up, I want to just be giving back. Um, so whenever I'm asked to speak or, or do something like this, um, I'll, I'll jump at the chance to do it, but, uh, I'm, I'm absolutely horrible at all of the the social medias. (laughs) Um, but I'm always actually, you know, people, you know, I, I, I'm so happy to connect with people and answer questions on um, you know, on Twitter if people have them or send me a direct message or something. But uh, I'm on LinkedIn and all that stuff. But um, the reality is that I think that the best place for people to go is the new site that we just launched today. What? You're actually perfect timing. Um, yeah, oh, my we, computer we just launched the Dropbox design site, it's Dropbox.design. Oh, my um,
0: God.
1: It was – you know it's hot off the press. Uh, we actually have a launch event tonight at the SF MOMA, and it's it's really an opportunity for us to again be generous to the design community and and contribute this to the culture and uh, do it in a way that is additive. Um, so you're not going to find a ton about us and our our brand system, mm-hmm. uh, though we may put some stuff up there. But I think. You know, we've been pushing the team who's been really, really lovely across the whole design org, not just my team, to create toolkits or, you know, uh, research that can help designers in, in their craft.
0: Yeah, I'm looking at it right now for the first time. It's my first time seeing it. This looks absolutely beautiful. This is so cool. I'm definitely going to make sure I tweet out the link for this and everything, but thank you so much for doing this. I greatly appreciate it, and uh, I'll make sure that I send it to your team, and uh, it's been great. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Alright, cheers. Take care, bye. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Meet the Creatives. If you enjoyed it, please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Make sure you're following along on Instagram, Meet the Creatives NY. And thank you again to my partner KEH for making this possible. Use the code ROBJ11 to save 5% off your first purchase at KEH.com.